This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Potterborn selects Cray FPGA Cluster. And Rekin taps Matsuoka as center director. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research. That's Michael Feldman, editor at Top500.org. Michael, uh, one new supercomputer purchase getting announced by Paderborn University in Germany. Yeah, Paderborn says they have selected a Cray, a Cray CS500 cluster uh, for its new system they called Noctua. This is a two-phase system. This is the first phase, and it's going to end up being a multi-petaflop system. But the interesting part, or one of the interesting parts of this, is this is an FPGA-accelerated supercomputer, something not, uh, not too common in the industry right now. Yeah, we haven't seen very many FPGA systems. We recently did a an accounting of all of the top things that we found in our HPC user site census survey from last year. And of all accelerators, of course, NVIDIA continues to dominate in the many core space. There's a certain amount of Intel Xeon Phi, which people think of as an accelerator, as a, as a many core processor, even though it can, gets used as a native processor. But less than 5% of them out there are FPGAs. And Here's a notable FPGA installation coming from Cray with the CS500 cluster. That's technology that they inherited from APRO. And it's interestingly enough, an, an all Intel architecture, both the uh, central core microprocessors and the Intel Stratix uh, FPGAs, plus the OmniPath interconnect. Right. It's all Intel. Like you said, it's the, uh, the Xeon Skylake processors, the high-end ones, the gold ones, and the uh, Stratix 10 FPGAs from the uh, Altura purchase uh, when Intel bought the, that company, and then Omnipath, of course. Um, and so, right, it's, uh, it's a system that Cray really doesn't talk about building very much. The CS500 is a pretty typical uh, x86-based cluster now, and they say, if you look at their website, they say, well, we we can attach uh, NVIDIA GPUs to them, we can attach Xeon Phi coprocessors to them. It doesn't even make mention of FPGA coprocessors, but it seems they've done somewhat of a custom job here and built this for them, and it's, uh, it's a little bit remarkable in that uh, the previous computer at Paderborn actually was a pretty typical cluster with uh, NVIDIA GPUs and some Xeon 5s itself. Um, and they decided to go ahead with this Noctua project, this Noctua supercomputer, and go in for FPGAs. Yeah, it is interesting. And of course, the first thing I look to that I like to look for with any supercomputer center is what applications they're planning on running. And the Paderborn Center for Parallel Computing, PCPC, or it goes by PC2, uh, which I think pre prevents confusion from the uh, computer reseller, PCPC Direct. But PC2, which is Paderborn Center for Parallel Computing, has a specialty in uh, certain application areas, particularly engineering applications in material science, optoelectronics, and photonics, as you point out in your article on top500.org. And uh, those are areas where they feel like they can really develop these parallel simulations uh, on the FPGA architecture. Yeah, and it also, it's also going to be used for sort of fundamental research into high-performance computing. And I think they're trying to develop uh, 
codes, more more basic codes for FPGAs uh, for high performance computing. I'm not sure they're going to start out with the material science, optical electronics, photonics. I think there's going to be a research group there that just does sort of some of the system software and middleware for the FPGAs that makes it possible for that to be incorporated. They've only got 32 of these Stratix 10 devices in there. So most of this, most of these nodes are just plain Xeon Skylake nodes. Um, the 32 nodes there are almost experimental in that sense, although they're, they're quite powerful. The Stratix 10s, uh, the ones they've chosen are sort of the top of the line ones as far as performance goes. These have a lot of uh, digital signal processing blocks in them. And it, it's something on the order of nine teraflops single precision wise. So there's a lot of performance potential in these Stratix 10 FPGAs. But uh, like I said, there's only 32 of them, at least in this phase one of the system. Now, I'll, I'll take issue with one thing that you said, Michael, and I've called you on this before, as you talk about just a plain Xeon Gold Skylake processor. You know, this is a pretty big launch by Intel when they did this. These Skylake 20-core processors, they're pretty serious HPC processors on their own. So right. I would disparage that <laughs> as being a not special HPC node just because it doesn't have any kind of extra sauce salted in there. Yeah, you're right. I mean, 272, it's, it's actually not a huge system, but actually with those Skylake processors, they say these are the top of the line 20 core versions and if they're the the real high-end ones they're like two two teraflops a piece so that comes out to almost i think close to a petaflop just in the skylake part of it uh so it's actually ended up being a pretty big system even without the fpga so you're right the it's a, it's a decent sized system now the the phase two they haven't talked about is going to be a multi-petaflop system and they haven't even talked about what that's going to be whether it's going to be an expansion of this craze system or something else entirely. That's out to sometime in 2020. This one's going to go into production sometime this year. A nice win by Cray showing diversity in architecture and getting another good win in Europe, in Germany, uh, as we head into ISC season. So maybe we'll get <laughs> to hear something from Paderborn and PC2 while we're in Frankfurt in a couple of months. In the meanwhile, also this week in HPC, Michael, another international story, hearing a little bit more from Japan. Riken now has a new uh, director for their center, and they have tapped someone who's been a longtime friend to Top 500 and to Intersect 360, Satoshi Matsuoka. Yeah, Satoshi Matsuoka is uh, quite well known in the industry, certainly in Japan. He's probably the preeminent a voice in Japanese HPC, at least at, at a public level. Now, his his previous work he's well known for. He was head of the Tsubami project at uh, Tokyo Tech. Um, he was instrumental in getting those that series of, of supercomputers up and running. And now he's moved over to uh, to Riken, the Riken Center for Computational Science, which used to be called something else, but they've changed the name. It's now RCCS is the acronym. And he's going to direct that center and be in charge of the current K computer that's still, I think, number 10 on the top 500 list, and also in charge of the uh, future project, the post-K supercomputer, which is Japan's first exascale system due out uh, sometime in the next decade. And speaking of that timeline, you pointed out that in his first message from the director that uh, that he posted, 
Uh, Satoshi Matsuoka seems to be reaffirming that timeline. You pulled a quote, proceeding smoothly with the goal being full-scale operation from around 2020. Now, it's worth noting that that's been the official timeline all along, although going back to a little more than a year ago, the scuttlebutt was that they were behind schedule on that. That was never any kind of official statement, and uh, this might be a reaffirmation that this is on on the... uh, that this is on schedule after all. Yeah, I mean, that uh, the idea that it was slipping by a year or two came out of a, a presentation at a, at a forum uh, in 2016. But yeah, this sort of implies that maybe they pulled that in because I don't know if they would have made that that same uh, statement t- stating that year. Now, well, we've noticed a lot of these, a lot of the, the countries that have... Uh, thought they were going to get systems basically in the early 2020s are now pulling in those timelines. It's becoming a little more competitive. So maybe they've stepped it up and they're really looking to deploy sometime in 2020. And if they do, they're right in the hunt to get the first exascale system out there with uh, with China and, and the U.S. sort of vying for those positions. It might be a little bit more interesting than maybe we, we had first thought. But uh, yeah, Satoshi is, is sort of devoted to this and i'm sure he's he's pulling for japan to actually get the system out as soon as possible and and get the name recognition and the status of having an an exascale supercomputer that uh, vies on the world stage yeah my initial projection had been that japan would be the first to reach exascale and with this Riken supercomputer in the post k architecture and uh uh, and that 2020 looked like the year that, that that would happen. They started hedging that 2020, and it still says around 2020, right. which makes me think that November 2020 is maybe the most optimistic timeline. But as you point out, that's that's really right in the timeline of the first systems right now. And I think Japan, we've seen from them over the past few decades a uh, a pattern of stating a timeline and then very quietly marching toward it until they suddenly hit the timeline and everyone's surprised. We've seen this uh, pattern from Japan before, and at this point, it it really could be uh, that this is not only back on track, but we could possibly be looking at this as the first exascale supercomputer. Yeah, I think I'd still pick China as getting in there. They might even get one as early as 2019 if uh, just to just get the uh, competition out of the way, but yeah, this postcase system is certainly uh, a big a big focus for for Riken and, and Japan in general. Now, it does have the challenge, of course. It's it's putting a new ARM architecture out there. It's the uh, ARM scalable vector extension technology, which has never been built before. So they've got sort of that to work on. It's not just another Fujitsu Spark system like the K computer was. So it's not just a, a an evolution of what they've done. They're they're sort of rearchitecting a lot of the the fundamental pieces of this. So it's it's a big challenge for Japan and I would not expect them to get anything before 2020 and I wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe it it snuck out a little bit later than that. But certainly having Satoshi in there uh, I think is a big win for for Reek and and it'll be interesting to see how this uh this future post case system develops. Yeah, you make a very good point that you know this is based on ARM, and we're talking about an exascale system on ARM. There's not currently a petascale system on ARM, nor nor is there a, an ARM-based system anywhere on the top 500 list. So you're talking about several mo- orders of magnitude increase 
uh, over the next uh, over the next two years. That that really seems uh, optimistic that that's going to come that far, seemingly out of nowhere. But but nevertheless, that timeline seems to be there. Now we're talking about uh, a big name in the industry. We'd be remiss if we didn't remark on the sad passing. Uh, earlier this week in HPC by a very notable name in our industry, Burton Smith. Yeah, Burton Smith, who uh, used to work for, or actually co-founded Terror Computer Company, which is probably not a name familiar to the younger members of the HPC community, but that that uh, company later bought uh, the Cray Research Division of, of SGI and rebranded to Cray. So it was very instrumental in the history of Cray, which is now a a substantial name in supercomputing, obviously. He was uh, he led that group for quite a few years. Um, yeah, and he passed away, unfortunately, uh, earlier this week on April 3rd. He was 77, but he had quite a storied career. You know, he collected a lot of uh, prestigious awards as as a computer scientist and as the uh, sort of the technical lead in Cray for, for quite a few years. And he spent the last 12 years of his career as a fellow at Microsoft, where he was instrumental in bringing up the Microsoft brand as, a, as an HPC uh, brand for the first time. Uh, and, uh, and his contributions there and across the industry have really been remarkable. So the industry will miss uh, Burton Smith. Thank you very much and condolences to his family. Indeed. All right, Michael, thanks again for another great week. And thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.